1: Cleveland, we're back. We went wild last time. We had a 40-minute episode. A few of you guys reached out and said how much fun it was. But we're back to normal now. 15 minutes, coming straight out. Yeah. And I've got my boy, the one, the only. Ian. Right,
0: right, right. We're back, baby. The week is starting off. The Browns are signing players. Our pets' heads are falling off. We're up to 89. We got one spot left.
1: Um, guys, if you listen to us on Spotify, you just have to subscribe again because we're back on Spotify. But anyone that was previously subscribed now lost it there. Um, just have a search. It's all there. But um, firstly, we're going to touch on roster breakdown, camp battles, etc. fly through those. But before we do that, Malik McDowell was signed by the Browns, who let's just say a very, very checkered past since being drafted 35th overall. The Seahawks sued him for signing bonus money back. It's a crazy, crazy story. But defensive tackle hyper athletic back in 2017 still only like 25 so uh there's certainly an upside and quite frankly with that amount of baggage they've got to think he's got a shot of making the 53 else you're just not bothering
0: yeah it's one of those ones Malik McDowell a lot of people may remember he was a potential first round pick coming out of Michigan State um he's 6'6 295 there was a little bit of trouble at michigan state that kind of got him to drop down into that second round very productive college career but at this point he has never taken a snap in the nfl it went to hell in a handbasket very quick after he got drafted as you mentioned the seahawks you know had to go into litigation to get their money back from him um andrew berry released a statement saying that they're aware of his past they feel he is on the path to success bring him in and give him a shot. I mean, this is a guy that obviously had, you know, high end potential three, four seasons ago. So I, hey, if you end up finding that this guy was able to turn his life around and he can be a reclamation project here, I'm all for it. But I think it just goes to show, like you mentioned, the defensive tackle spot on the roster, there is no locks. I think Billings and uh, Malik oh. Jackson are probably the only locks really. Let, let's, let's talk a little bit it. about roster locks
1: so i've broken the whole roster down into three different categories so we've got locks players that we're like 99 sure are going to make the roster not 90 percent if you're 90 of the dude's making the roster he's not a lock we are properly nailing this in obviously we're not looking at trades or anything like that um we're they might cut him because he's too expensive they might cut him for something else we're saying those people there. Then we've got battling for the 53. These dudes, they've got a shot on making the 53-man roster. And then we've got another group that they're battling to make the practice squad. No harm in that, but they're not dudes that are realistically going to make their way onto 53. So we'll go through how many roster spots, who the locks are, and then chat about the battling for 53. And then you guys can look out there for the other people making up the spot. Um, go over to my Twitter account, tweet it out. Nice, colourful chart. So start with quarterback first, Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, Two locks to both make the roster. Two spots. Job done.
0: That was easy. Now, Uh, the Browns will sign a quarterback. It's because everybody needs camp arms. You're not going to bring Baker Mayfield into a voluntary workout and have him throwing all around the yard. So they'll use Kyle Oletta and somebody else that they haven't signed yet. I'm almost positive. That's why the 90th spot has not been filled because they haven't figured out what camp arm quarterback they need.
1: 110%. So, next, we've got running backs and fullbacks. We've got four roster spots. We're saying a lock for Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Andy Janovich. And then we've got one open spot, and that is between Dearness Johnson and Dimitri Felton as your third running back. Um, Yeah.
0: Real quick, Jack. Andy Janovich. Contract lock or just have the Browns ever decided to go away from a fullback? Anything there? Just... Curious. Yeah, so he,
1: he he plays like three, four snaps a game in terms of the offense, about three. But he is phenomenal at special teams, and for that reason, I've just got him as a lock. I think is someone that they obviously liked. They traded for him last year. Um, no issue. I feel really, really confident he makes the roster.
0: Gotcha. He's not ninety-five percent for me. So
1: it's interesting. Do you think that's because they'd go away from having a running back, on, a fullback on the roster?
0: Yeah. As the wide receivers expand, you're going to use less of a fullback. So you might end up going to saying, you know what, I can use either Chubb or Hunt in a fullback type role, especially if I want to go to a scat back. Maybe they keep Felton and get rid of Dearness Johnson. I mean, realistically there are teams that go with four running backs. So you'd have Chubb, Hunt, Felton, and Dearness Johnson because of a special team's prowess. So you're not going to keep that fifth to have Janovich, but I, I still do think you're right. I, like I said, I'm about 95% sure Janovich is going to make it just because that's the offense Stefanski's comfortable with running. And to your point, he is an integral part of the special teams unit.
1: Right, next up, we've got wide receiver. So six spots on the roster. You've got Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Anthony Schwartz. So that's five, leaving one open spot. And for me, it's a straight-up fight between Kadaryl Hodge and Jojo Natson. Hodge is obviously my favourite. I think he's got a much higher ceiling in terms of, I I think long-term he could be a wide receiver three. Um, But no, I think it's a battle between them two. I know you want to potentially throw Ryan Switzer in there.
0: Yeah, I just think that Switzer provides, you know, this guy's played in the NFL, offers special teams value, especially if you're looking, you know, I know that uh, Jarvis Landry is not exactly a fan favorite given everything, but Switzer has most of his time out of the slot. And when I look at Beckham, Higgins, Peoples, Jones, and Schwartz, I see a lot of outside guys. Uh, Kadir Hodge obviously would be a guy in the slot. Natson in the slot. I think Switzer's in the slot. Jamarcus Bradley, Alexander Hollins, and Derek Lewis, all outside guys. That's why I think you're – you're you're correct in saying that they are fighting for the practicing squats. But Switzer, I think, has a shot in the dark to get in that second backup slot role.
1: Let, let, let's copy some Kansas Chiefs, City Chiefs, put uh, the super speedy guy, their Tyreek Hill, our Anthony Schwartz in the slot. And let's uh cause some carnage on the interior. But uh let's jump next to tight end four spots on the roster, obviously because Tvansky loves them. Hooper, Njoku, Bryant are locks. Obviously they could trade Njoku, but we're not playing out trade scenarios else. We'd only have about 10 locks on the roster. Um, and then the battle for 53. I've only got one dude in there for the one open spot, and that's Stefan Carlson. Um, there, there could be someone else they bring in, but I don't think Jordan Franks and Karl Markway are guys comp- legitimately having a shot at that Titan Four, but they could easily bring someone in, and do something else there.
0: Franks is a guy I really want to watch. He's a super athletic guy. I think he is kind of in that David Njoku mold. I think you're right. Obviously, I think stiff arm Steve has a pretty good head start in making that fourth spot. I just think that Jordan Franks is a guy that you may hear his name more and more often as we get through some of this stuff. I just think the guy has a lot of upside. So if, you know, there's an injury, I think he's probably your fifth tight end right now.
1: Yep. Uh, next we've got tackle There's going to be four spots on the roster. We've got Jack Conklin, Jedrick Wills and James Hudson. Um, And then we've got a battle here for Chris Hubbard, Alex Taylor, Greg Sonot. I think a lot, what happens with that battle is the upside of Alex Taylor and Snap, but them two being good, if James Hudson's potentially a guy that they look as the developmental, he could easily stick that fourth spot and then it makes Hubbard need to have that third spot. So this one's a really interesting battle because... Hudson will have a big say over what happens for Alex Taylor and Greg Snott, even more than Chris Hubbard. Everyone knows what Chris Hubbard is. He's a good, solid player, but this one's going to be really interesting to see how, how it wins out.
0: Yeah. I think Chris Hubbard has a pretty good lock on that. You know, if we're talking five starting offensive linemen, that sixth spot, I think that's Hubbard's spot to lose. It's just, he's so versatile within the scheme. This is a guy that's performed. He's done it. His contract is obviously a little bit higher in terms of yeah. what you'd normally have your sixth offensive lineman at. I just think that the value there in terms of a guy that can step in on game day with little uh, with little issue and be almost assured he's going to give you average to above average production.
1: Yeah, and obviously it's $3.75 million in cash. Obviously he's got some signing bonus money on top of that, but it's an interesting one to note. Um, next we've got guard Joel White Taylor a locks and then this is an intriguing one so I'll throw Chris Hubbard in there again because they could like Hudson and Taylor and then use Hubbard as the third guard um but we've got Michael Dunn Blake Hans and true Forbes three dudes that I th- I think between them have like 50 snaps in the NFL um obviously true Forbes still has zero um I'd say Blake so Blake
0: Hans probably has 40 of them right
1: this one is really, really interesting. I, th- I think Michael Dunn might have the most, but it's it's low whatever way you cut it.
0: Yeah, and the, for those that may remember, these are the guards that stepped in um, due to injury last year that played a little bit, you know, meaningful football time for the Browns. So, yeah, hey, you know, our guy Blake Hans, let's go. Hey, get out there. I want to see. This will be an interesting battle because, you know, obviously the future of Wyatt Teller is still in question. So if they're looking to see if they can find that potential right guard of the future, this is where it's going to start.
1: Next up, we have center JC Tread and Nick Harris. I think those two are locks. Um, anything to add there?
0: No, I don't think we even have somebody in contention for a backup center. I know there's Javon Patterson, but he's going to be snapping to the quarterbacks that are going to be bagging groceries.
1: So, next we've got edge defender. We're looking at four or five here. Naturally, I'd assume five, but it could be four. So, we've got Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, Tack McKinley. Then I'm going to jump in and do the interior because we're looking at nine overall between this group and we've got Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings and Tommy Togiai. So that's the top six. And then behind that, we've got a battle for three spots. So we know there's going to be at least four of each. And then it's what they do with that ninth one. So in terms of the edges, we've got Port Augustine and Curtis Weaver. Curtis Weaver is effectively like a, just a bonus fifth round pick this year. And then at interior defensive line, we've got Jordan Elliott, Marvin Wilson and Malik McDowell. um, all of them in with a legitimate shot. I could see this room go every single different way, and it wouldn't surprise me. Um, why is Jordan Elliott in that group? Quite frankly, they're not bringing in Marvin Wilson and Malik McDowell if they feel like Jordan Elliott's a lock to make this roster. Because... We said ninety-nine
0: percent. I don't think anybody is betting their mortgage that Jordan Elliott is a shoe-in lock on this roster. If he comes in and has a terrible camp, he can be on the first plane or first train to Yuma that quickly.
1: Oh uh, yeah, judging by my uh, Twitter mentions. uh, Saying Jordan Elliott isn't a lock is uh, sacrilegious. Um, But these are probably the same people that were having a go at me for questioning uh, Richardson. Next, we go into the linebacker. This is a room where we had said all offseason, we're looking at five, but six is certainly on the table now. Um, So we've got JOK, Anthony Walker, and Jordan Phillips. I would say those three are locks. And then we're looking at two to three out of this list. And I've got Sione Takitaki, Malcolm Smith, Tony Fields, Mac Wilson. I feel quite confident that Mac Wilson's probably gone from that list. And then it's they look between Tacky Tacky, Smith, and Fields and go, do we want to keep all three or do we want to keep two? And neither position would shock me or annoy me. I, I, I don't mind either way.
0: We'll do it in a future show, but I want to talk a little bit about the linebacker core. I, I think with the addition of JOK, I think it completely pivots what they can do with this linebacker room because you can now play kind of a big nickel – Base set not having to go to dime. So when we talk about breakdowns and that, but yeah, I think those three, I think Sioni Taki Taki is probably above my 90% threshold given his ability in the run. You know, obviously he's not at 99, hence why he's in our middle category. But yeah, I would say those three plus Sioni Taki Taki are probably the most likely. And then I think Mal- uh, Malcolm and Mac Wilson and then can Fields make any impact with Elijah Lee on special teams? That's where they're coming at.
1: So at corner. I'd say we're favoring six, but you never know. It could be five. Um,
0: so you've got Denzel. Depends on that big nickel formation. That's what it comes down to. Yep.
1: You've got Denzel Wall, Greg Newsome, Troy Hill, Greedy Williams. All of them dudes are locks. Um, obviously, Greedy could end up on IR, but we're not working on injuries here. Um, then we're looking at one slash two. MJ Stewart, AJ Green are the names there. I think we're going to see a free agent. Gary and Conley is the one I most... Gut says is gonna potentially get signed, but either of them do could make it, they could not make it. Let's see how
0: it cuts. Yeah, no doubt. Those four are definitely in. And I think you have a battle for the five and six.
1: And then just an interesting one to note on something that John Colosimo tweeted out earlier today. Um, I think it's worth just bringing out of the top 12 players in missed tackle percentage in 2020, only two of those 12 players remain on the roster. And that is Mac Wilson and MJ Stewart. So those are two guys that potentially at risk, um, but we've run out of time to so fly through safety room four slash five here. I would have said five, but the fact that you can do some interesting stuff with JOK and Tony Fields means they could keep four We're looking at John Johnson, Delpit, and Ronnie Harrison are all locks. And then we've got Richard LeCount and Shelter at competing at the moment. But they could easily bring in another player here. Um, But there is certainly competition for the safety room.
0: Yeah, I think those three are a lock. Obviously, Delpit's injury is going to be dependent on how much snap he sees. But, yeah, I think there's no doubt you're going to see Johnson, Delpit, and Harrison. Now, is Harrison a potential trade ship now that you've brought in these things? Of course but again, we reiterate no trade scenarios here. Um, yeah, I don't think there's really anybody that's going to debate that at this point.
1: So next special teams, which obviously three are on the roster. I've three actually only got, I've, I've actually <laughs> only got one guy that I bet my house on. And that is my boy, the man, the myth, the legend, Charlie Hewlett, uh, long snapper, one of the best in the league. And then. I've got Jamie Gillen, Cody Parkey, and Matt McCrane. I, I I, don't think Matt McCrane's technically in that battle for 53. I think if a kicker's going to beat Cody Parkey out, it's not him. It's probably a UDFA they potentially bring in. And the only reason I've put Jamie Gillen on there was a below-average punter in the NFL last year. He's going into year three, which will probably – there's a good chance that it could be his last year with the Browns because he would need a restricted free agent tender, and that's going to be, what, $2.5 roughly. Are they going to pay – 2.4 million, 2.5 million to keep him next year. No, no, they're not. So he's basically got one year left. Um, obviously they could offer him say one and a half and see if he signs it. Um, but that's just one to keep an eye on that. Yeah, he, he's probably only got he's got one cheap year left. That does that cause issues. Um, so no I I, th- I think there's serious there's an opportunity there if a UDFA they do sign and uh, really impresses.
0: Yeah, and just if you haven't seen it, Jack, have you seen, speaking of long snappers, and obviously Hewlett's our guy, did you see the video of the Carolina Panthers coach, Matt Rule, calling the Alabama long snapper? It was amazing. Amazing. This is why long snappers, much like punters, they're people too. The guy's ready to crawl on his hands and knees to get to Carolina. I'm telling you, long snappers, they that's what I want my future kid to grow up to be. So, yeah, I think Hewlett. We used to have uh, Ryan Popriand, who was just the savage of a long snapper. And I think Charlie Hewlett has just stepped in and just been that guy, just rock bottom in the specials unit. So I think Gillen's above 90%. Obviously, I think Prefer really likes him. But the kicker competition is definitely up for grabs because Parkey doesn't have that 50-plus range like some of the other guys do. So if they're able to find somebody that you know gives them that added element, that's really the only part that they're missing.
1: So we'll be coming back later this week and do a linebacker show. I think that's a really good idea, Ian. Um, We're going to be doing one once some more UDFAs come in just to really dig deep on them and specialise in them. Obviously, Paul Brown would be unhappy if we didn't specialise them. One little note I just want to throw out there from Adam Schefter. JOK had a heart issue that came up late in the process and was a concern for most teams, which is why he fell out of the first round and to pick 52 to Cleveland. Doctors ultimately cleared JOK, but it did contribute to his falling. So that's just something to keep an eye on. It wasn't just all about position stuff don't oh, you think
0: that sounds like agent team, talk though
1: teams were banging the drum for it's not just him there was lots of players where the medicals came out really really late so uh it's certainly one to keep an eye on um
0: but no that sounds to me like agent justification well my guy dropped because of this but he's fine like okay
1: uh, my, my thing was more like hey there, there could be issues in the future obviously they said marie marie was completely fine but that's uh, obviously one that has led to issues so Um, now he's now with San Fran but uh, no thank you very much guys for listening we'll keep these short and sweet Uh, we'll be back very very soon one thing to note if you want to get involved in the Paul Brown fantasy podcast Division 2 is open drop me a DM at Jack Duffin and I can add you keep an eye out guys for the record that that is the Paul
0: Brown podcast fantasy football league division two so if you have any idea what that is think of english premier league soccer if you're good enough in division two you'll move up with the big boys in division one where jack mccurry and i have been holding down the board
1: every year two up two down everything's on the line guys you've got to battle to the death but as always go browns
0: go browns